Like that's on par with like our I guess I don't know if it was the radio club, but whoever ran the college radio, like they was mm-hmm. on par with them. They had actual building, like rooms in the building. Hmm. It's more than the economics club had. <laughs> that was a scam. They just ate pizza every week and didn't do anything. I mean, that sounds like the club to be in. Yeah, there was like I think five people in it. So me and all my friends were thinking about joining and then voting <laughs> for each other for all the officer positions. <laughs> Just take over. Yeah, just like, all we need is four of us. That's four guaranteed votes. <laughs> <laughs> Got a point. All each, we need to do is not have the other. other five do the same thing. The economics group coup. <laughs> now we eat hot dogs. Welcome to another episode of Bright Guy and Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is the Z-Man, Josh Zorch. All right, I like that. I'll take it this time. It's good. It best I could do in short notice. I like it. I was wondering if he had approved or if this was just a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I, no, surpri- surprises, surprises all. We don't need to uh, run anything by any of us ahead of time. Well, that's good because next up, he's rare. Show him you care. Watch his achievements on Twitch. Mike Bradley. What? What? That was good. That was like um, a, that was that was like a song and dance, man. That was that was like your I, your your uh, what do they call it? Like in the old timey uh, events, like uh, like people like talk you up ahead of the event or whatever. A hype man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A hype man. Uh, yeah. Rare achievements on Twitch. Rare achievements on YouTube. Check it out. It's fun. Come on, Mike. I put rare and achievements in that whole sentence for you. It's in there. He used both words. <laughs> I. I can't do it any better. That's why I didn't even try. I just figured <laughs> I'd mention also that it's YouTube, not just Twitch. You know. And finally, I'm sticking with just calling him Leroy the Dream Killer, Ian Leidick. <laughs> hey, guys. I need you to go to YouTube.com slash P-A-A-G-A-N to check out my YouTube show, Guten Pagen. What? You care to elaborate on that show? Oh, sure. Guten Pagen is a show about fat-ass anime girls. Avengers Nocturnal, <laughs> where we're talking about the fattest ass anime girls as they avenge nocturnal spirits. I I would expect nothing less. So I yes no, I don't really have to ask I just, I don't even know. but <laughs> yeah go ahead. So are 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 the the are the people with the fat asses characters in anime? Or people yes. who watch anime, because that could no. be like that could no. be a backlash. No, really badly. <laughs> no, not at all. It is anime characters who have okay. fat asses. Gotcha. All right. Is there a, is it a ranking system, or does it just follow and talk about individuals? We're just discussing them as they come up. It's an extreme of conscious free 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 flow discussion. Yeah, it's um, it's it's. I come out and like it's. It, let's go a little behind, a little inside baseball here. So I go in there with a set outline, but I talk to everyone ahead of time, and we kind of develop our own thought paths ahead of time. That way, it can still free flow, but that it still feels structured. I think it's a very good system we have over there. There's six of us on it. 
Nice. Must be difficult to jumble. Nah, it's real simple. <laughs> Doing shows are real easy. <laughs> who was who was the latest anime girl you discussed? Uh, the latest anime girl we discussed is Cronina Dolena. I'm not familiar with that one. Uh, so she's from a show where they <laughs> have they to jump around the spirit world, uh, vanquishing d- various yokai, which are like Japanese demons. So she jumps around vanquishing yokai, and she's got a dump truck. <laughs> All right. Now, where does dump truck? No, I should stop it right there. No, we're done. We're done. <laughs> this could. This we're already wasting way too much time on this. We're gonna. We're gonna get into this. I like that you kept asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> See, if I don't stop them, it will keep going. So we're we're getting putting the kibosh on it now. We're gonna we're gonna move on. We'll talk. We'll talk about the ranking of the fat asses later. Yeah, off air. Um, all right. So this Maybe. is uh, everybody listening. Welcome to the first episode of a new segment we are calling Rewind Theater. Uh, if you've been following along on Facebook page, you'll know that we've been teasing this for a little while now. Uh, if you're not, I'll try to give you the gist of sort of what's going on here. So Josh and I have been having this conversation for a while, trying to figure out, find an excuse to go back, watch some comic book movies, and, and try to give them a second opinion. So we kind of morphed that idea into this. So we've compiled a list of movies based on comic books and graphic novels, and instead of us just picking and choosing what we watch, we came up with something we call The Wheel of Fate. Wheel of Fate! <laughs> so basically we put all of our options on the wheel, the wheel decides what we watch. So it takes all the decision-making pressure off of us, and hopefully gives like a variety of movies each time we do the episode, so it's not just one thing over and over again. Um, the Wheel of Fate will consist of four standalone movies and two franchises when we spin them. Um, since our list has a lot more than six options, we do have a second wheel to help narrow them down. So if you've been watching the Facebook videos, those spins are coming from an, our, our entire list of possible movies, narrowing it down to six options. At the end of this episode, we will spin the wheel of six options that we have right now to see what we land on to watch next. If we hit a franchise, the franchise will stay on the wheel until we complete all movies in the franchise. So when the MCU eventually makes it here, We'll have to get through all 23 movies before it can be replaced on the wheel. And that number might be higher if, by the time it makes it to the wheel, more movies True. have been released. Yes. It'll never be off the wheel. <laughs> yeah, there's a good chance once it's there, it will be there for the foreseeable future. Uh, so it may sound a bit complicated. I, I promise you we have this under control. I, I think we, we have a solid system that we think is working fairly well. It makes sense um, to us. Right. And right now, that's <laughs> all that counts. So all you'll be seeing in any given episode is the Wheel of Fate with six options. Everything else that happens, we'll try to do it behind the scenes just to set up the next Wheel of Fate. So our intention is to continually post about what movie is up next so that if you, the listener, would like to join in, you'll know what movie we're watching. We'll give you time to watch the movie on your own and you know, try to remember to... We'll try to remember to post about what we're recording just in case you'd like to throw some questions our way. Give us something to, to feed the next episode whenever we actually sit down and watch and record. Um, so I think that's the that's the gist. Uh, for this first episode, uh, we are talking about 1997's Spawn. And even before we get into the discussion, I'm just going to use this opportunity. I'm going to throw out the spoiler warning. I know this movie is over 20 years old, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, so if you would rather not hear spoiler details, we're just going to get into it probably right off the off and, and talk about whatever we want to. So if you would rather not have spoilers, pause us now, come back after you've seen the film and consider this your spoiler warning. Spoiler! Spoiler! You know, something like that. All right. 
we are in spoiler territory. Uh, quickly, I will just say this movie was released August 1st, 1997. It's based on the comic book character created by Todd McFarland. Directed by, and I always get the fucking people that I have weird names. Mark A-Z, is it Dippy? D-I-P-P-E, Dippy? We can go with whatever you want because I, his name is not familiar to me, so. Right, that's, yeah, I'm going Dippy. Unfortunately. So Gonna go over by, his body of work. Yeah. Directed by Mark Dippy. Uh, written by Alan uh, McElroy and Dippy. Uh, the director comes from a special effects background, having worked on Back to the Future 2, Terminator 2, mm-hmm. and Jurassic Park before directing Spawn. McElroy wrote for a short-lived Spawn TV series before writing for the movie. Uh, the movie is currently sitting at a 17% critics rating and 36% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Metacritic is a little bit more generous. Uh, they have a 34 meta score. And an 8.2 for user score, which apparently equals universal acclaim for this movie through Metacritic. Wow. One thing I do want to point out, Dippy specifically was behind the um, shifting, changing Terminator in Terminator 2. Like, that was his special super oh, see? special effect project on that movie. I didn't look that deep into it. Hmm. Good pull. So um, we, have, right. we have Liquid T2. We have him to thank for that? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, because he did have but, some time at ILM. That's all the Jurassic Park T2 stuff, so... Uh, apparently he was a big deal over there. I think, I mean, I didn't. I don't remember the titles exactly, but I feel like IMDb listed the titles he had for special effects, like Supervisor and stuff like that, so that all sounds very important. <laughs> um, Alright, so just starting us off, before watching it for the podcast, has everyone seen this movie previously? No. Yeah. Yes. Ian, was that that was a no? This is your first time watching Spawn? Hell yeah. Okay. Nice. So I guess just based on the, the scores mentioned earlier, agree, disagree with those ratings? 100% disagree. <laughs> with which ones? All of them. <laughs> okay. So the, lo- you, the low ones should be high and the high ones should be low? Well, the high ones didn't even sound high. Yeah, they were not very high. It was somehow universal or claim and it was still batting 30. This yeah, is that's a baseball. the difference between, I guess, like, yeah, the, the meta score and the user score. Users for, are much more generous on Metacritic. What was the Metacritic user score? 8.2. Oh. That's pretty high. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. I missed that, <laughs> I missed that part over everything else being bashed. <laughs> is, I, well, that's why I was asking you which you agreed with, because you had a range of 8.2 down to, what was it, Rotten Tomatoes, the lowest at 17 17 for like the that? critics on Rotten Tomato. So, so you had a range of 17% to 82%, basically, there. I was really focused on dippy facts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I wish we, I would have planned better for that segment. I, I would like to hear more <laughs> dippy facts, because... <laughs> well, I can tell you, the whole special effects team for the movie is actually some of the best in the industry at the time. All came together to do work on this movie together. Work on Spawn. Yeah. It's actually a lot of like the big names in 90 special effects all came together to work on this. Do you, you said you have that list in front of you? No, it's in oh. a Roger Ebert review. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so on that note, can I ask a serious question then? Sure. How the hell did they end up with some really awesome looking stuff and the way that Mobaji looks? Spawn is a comic book movie before comic book <laughs> movies got money. <laughs> You know, yeah, that's one see, thing I, I didn't look up was the budget. I'm actually curious what the budget was for this movie. 
I did look that up while Sarah and I was watching it. Uh, Box Office Mojo lists the budget at forty million. Oh, that's terrible. Well, the thing is, I don't. Um, I, I didn't say for ninety. I say for ninety-seven. I didn't look up what like Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, Blade. I didn't look up what the budgets for those were, so I don't know. It did make. I mean, it, it didn't. You know, obviously change the world, but it did make, if I remember, about eighty-five million worldwide, which is way more than I thought it would have. Uh, I guess that's fair. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Like, my question is, how the hell, with those guys working all their magic, did they just run out of budget by the time they got to that? So, Like, is that, oh, is I, that what we think happened? I mean, is that, or it, I'm, I did my best to keep myself in the mindset that this is 97, and at the time, I, those are pretty good graphics for the time. Like, that was this borderline This is after Jurassic Park. It was borderline also pre-HD, so I think special effects was, like, they didn't have to be crisp. It was like, it's fuzzy, it's fine, because VHSs are fuzzy. Film projectors are not going to sure. get that clear, so you get away with a lot more. I, I, I get that, but, like, I don't know. They, like, everything except that in the movie looked pretty damn good for the, the era. You know, like, could they make it better today? Of course they could make things look better today, but they still, for the for that time... You know, yeah, it's specific- pretty much. It's pretty much. Sorry, no, no, I, 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 I was the 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 way that Mobaja looks and Hell looks mm-hmm. and Spawn's cape were the things that looked god awful. I, I was surprised. So I kind of split that thought in my head because I agree that like everything that occurs in Hell looks terrible, vastly Say, yes, terrible and vastly different in terms of of quality and and approach, but. I also tried to think this time around because because the look and the costumes and like like on like Spawn's costume in and of himself like his camera costume actually looks pretty good and his yeah. transition when he like the 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 suit comes up to cover his face looks like that transition that effect is actually pretty good so it's, it's the best Venom we've seen on screen prior yeah. to some of the Venom that we get. Like, Venom looks fucking cool in the Venom movie. But, like, yeah. Spider-Man 3, he looks like shit. This yeah. look, did Venom better than Spider-Man 3 ten years earlier. Agreed. Yeah. And so I this time around, I yeah, I found myself struggling between those two thoughts, which was, did they just not have the budget to do what they, you know, maybe wanted to? Or, and maybe in conjunction with that, actually... Was it somewhat of a stylistic choice then? Was it, okay, maybe we don't have the money to do anything more than this, but if we make it look so vastly different, it cements the idea that this is an otherworldly place uh, separate from any other sort of, uh, you know, astral difference that we'll portray in this movie. You know, it's not Limbo, it's not Earth, it's not the Flame Tunnel... I mean, I mean, maybe, like, maybe they could have made it look a little better, but at some point chose, I hate to say it, like, chose not to, to, like, intentionally at some point make it so odd-seeming. And maybe I'm being, like, very generous, but we'll also never know the answer, so I can do that. I, I mean, I, I feel like, personally, they would have been better off not to show it at all. To just reference Mobaja, and then maybe at the very end, you have, like, that quick 
peak it what it really looks like that they mm. had there because it looked so bad they could have just held it for a quick reveal at the end and then you laugh it off because everything else was fine. Uh Josh just for comparison's sake, budget wise. Yeah. I just happened to look at the the Batman movies you mentioned. Batman yep. Forever, a hundred million. <laughs> Batman and Robin, hundred and twenty five million. And so, Batman and Robin was still that bad. There are tons of other problems with Batman and Robin, but the but reason pr- I think they got a budget, budget was not it. Well, I think they got a bump in budget because Batman Forever did so fucking great. Right, right, right. Yeah, and then they went and signed Arnold Schwarzenegger to be in it. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, we'll, was probably a bump. We'll have to get into all that whenever we get to the, that movie because I feel like there. I don't know how much behind the scenes I'd want to get into for that movie because there's a bunch of shit we could talk about, but we'll we'll try to save it when we get there. Sure. It, it is on the list. It's on the list. We'll get there. We'll get there it's in on the five wheel. years, probably. The wheel of It's on the wheel, but it, but but it's a ways down the wheel. because yeah. of the rules. So good. So I just just yeah, comparing to some of the other movies around that time, the budget is still really low. And this this came out at what probably the I think it was like the height of Spawn, right? Like the Spawn was not yeah. like a no name character at this point. People knew who Spawn was. Right at that time, I think the issue was Batman. Especially if you're making like a comparison on that, like I, Blade was well received because they got good actors, and it was not sold in any way as a comic book movie. Right. That was not a thing. There was not an industry for selling comic book movies. There was only an industry for selling Batman movies. Yeah. And with Batman, the series that ran in the 60s, and then the reemergence in the late 80s, you had already spent all those years building in the audience who weren't comic book readers. Spawn, you know, maybe like... Spawn didn't have that. So the audience that it had was solely its readers and whatever type of moviegoer that they thought they could attract with good trailers and cool-looking shit. And if they didn't think that the potential you know, size of that audience would have been big enough to justify anything more than a $40 million movie, you know, a budget, then that, I mean, that makes sense. It was kind of a probably a big gamble even at the time for that amount i mean i'd say they nailed the budget given that the movie made 80 million dollars they doubled their money on it and i don't think putting a higher budget into it really would have improved that box office yeah probably not 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 significantly like maybe if they had another five million to throw at the hell effects right but yeah but But even then i don't think it improves their profit i don't think it changes their bottom line yeah so all right, so let's just sort of get into, you know, what you liked, what you didn't like, and and just spin the discussion there. So, Ian, I know you took some notes. What do you want to hit on your notes? I, I guess I'm still confused. This threw me off for a good bit. So he puts on the very beginning of the movie, we're going to blow up an airplane to kill a oil tycoon or some type of Arab diplomat, and he puts on, for some reason, VR goggles to line up this <laughs> shot. Which looks to me to be straight on. 
Like, <laughs> there's not uh, much adjusting, but he's not, like, moving the look. The goggles just move themselves to, like, alternate view angles, but he's, like, stationary. It's like, it's it's almost like a, like a HoloLens thing, but he's wearing a very clear VR headset where he should be the one moving to adjust it, but he never does. It's high-tech, Ian. Sure. There was a lot of wires on that, and later in the movie, some lady has wires hooked up to her guns for no reason, because Spawn then uses those guns with no wires. But we'll get to that later. So my other, God. the best part about that whole scene, though, is after he launches this this missile, this, this fucking missile that blocks off into like three smaller missiles, I don't know, not military guy, I can't tell you what that is. And that blo- it's a Jericho missile. I've seen that guy. He has a band called Fozzie. And <laughs> so after that blows up the airplane, he sets a self-destruct thing on the launcher. And that has a bigger explosion than the Jericho <laughs> missile. There's a bigger explosion for the launcher. And it's like multiple explosions. Like, and that's when I knew I was in for a treat because those explosions kicked ass. <laughs> You're looking around for Michael Bay at that point, wondering what's going on. In my head, I was like, oh, man, Josh is going to have a Michael Bay reference to make here, but Mike did it. <laughs> yep. So that's, that's just that beginning is amazing. And then that pretty much just leads into what is the movie of, hey, um, Martin Sheen's a bad guy, I guess. <laughs> 100% forgot Martin Sheen was in this movie. Yeah. And I, he, he does it with some sort of voice that I totally forget he does like that voice in the movie. Oh, like, I trying to be it. all gra- gravelly and, he's, and mean. He's done, that, he's done that voice in several movies. I'll see that, that, I, that, is, that, that is a voice I have heard from him several times. I kept getting, Ian, I kept getting Elusive mm-hmm. Man vibes, but like to the extreme. Like, oh, yeah. The, the the non-elusive man. He's not trying to play behind the scenes. He is very much the bad guy. Oh, he's uh, upfront about it. Yeah. Which, again, we'll get to later how upfront he is about being the bad guy. <laughs> but this, I guess, just settles into then when, when um, I believe, was it Al? Al when Al dies, who becomes Spawn. Yeah. Yes. They, they blow up the, when they blow up the North Korean facility, but before they do that, they set him on fire. And then he takes a fire portal down. And then we also had all those explosions in like the first 10 minutes of the movie. I just wrote down fire. There was a <laughs> shit ton of fire in this movie and it kicked ass. It was fucking amazing. I can't wait till I get Ian's rating out of 10 for this movie. I'm really curious to see where this lands. It's fire out of 10. <laughs> the one thing I did notice with Al is um, when he, he was in the car with his wife at one point and he did not wear a seatbelt. So I was wondering... When does this movie take place? I figured by the 90s it was legally required you had to wear a seatbelt, yet they showed us Spawn not wearing one. Now, do you think that was just an error that a PA should have picked up on, or was that a character choice, as in Al, Spawn does not wear seatbelts? I'm going to say option B. I agree yeah. with that, because you might remember later in the movie when he is Spawn and he steals that motorcycle, and he hits the helmets and the kid, he's like, I don't need this. <laughs> Fuck safety. Alluding back to his earlier, I don't follow the safety laws when I'm in motor vehicles. <laughs> it's all connected. True. It's all one movie. You took very extensive notes. I did. I'm, I'm so proud. But I think this is also, this is before he's like full out spawn, but he, he at one point throws a guy and it's very low. So I didn't notice it at first, but they play like a guitar whale, like how they had in Fury Road with like that guitar guy showing up and it matches with the action. And they just throw this dude. It's like, wee. And that was kick ass. This movie kicked ass. 
I feel like, yeah, his his review is going to be way different than mine, I think. So, so I'd, I'd like to make a, a note on that point, is that it, they had uh, a very different kind of uh, feel to their soundtrack for this film. Because you went from, you know, contemporary hard rock alternative music, you had a lot of um, corn and... Uh, Manson, I believe, was in there a little oh, bit. Oh, he was. Um, I, I but, knew when that popped up. I was like, hell yeah, this is the 90s. <laughs> uh, but it, believe it or not, Korn was actually part of like an advertising campaign along with Spawn at one point. That makes so much sense. <laughs> uh, so I, I looked it up because it seemed like, boy, I'm hearing Korn a lot when I'm hearing the soundtrack. And I looked it up and it's, yeah, there was like a thing. Um... With, with Spawn and Corn, and uh, then you then they like shift over in, in the you know so you have like the, you know the awesome '90s rock tracks and everything, and then it shifts over to like the it's a strange shift because it happens I feel like several times very close together to where it's a more orchestral soundtrack made specifically for the movie, like what you're talking about with the guitar riff or with an actual like an orchestra set or something. And I feel like they put them too close together at times. It's not judging the quality of either, but I feel like you go from the, you know, the hard rock into the orchestral too quickly from one to the other. In some cases where you're in the mood for one and you're like, yeah, this is awesome. And then it switches to the other and you're like, this is off putting to have switched to this so quickly. Well, that's another thing I kind of wanted to mention that with, it's not the music, but there was a lot of tonal shifts very abruptly in this movie specifically anytime the clown showed up and he started doing his jokes it just almost felt out of place like i was watching a separate movie when the violator showed up and he'd be doing his fart gags or whatever i was like wait what movie am i watching now so ian no joke but the first note i have is i can't tell if this movie is trying to be serious or campy is it tone deaf <laughs> no because that it does also as my next note was borderline toxic avenger because <laughs> when I see his face that reminds me of the Toxic Avenger and then this clown guy making these weird Toxic Avenger-esque jokes and that's what I wasn't sure now I, I was thinking of like maybe trauma is involved in this maybe this is a trauma film uh, to, to make note though it was so the, the relation by the way that I was talking about with Korn and Spawn and all that was Todd McFarlane that had actually drawn the videos that the animated videos that Korn had had same guy that, you know, created Spawn and all that. It's the same guy that did, like, drew, drew the video for Free Gone a Leash. Did the animation. Really? Yes. I don't think I ever knew that. I remember I remember there was that connection. But huh. that, that is the connection that my brain was making that I couldn't recall the specifics of. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt with side nonsense, but go ahead. Well, that actually just kind of made me think of, like, comparing Spawn to Venom earlier. Todd McFarlane's the one that made Venom, isn't he? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that all sort of makes sense too. Like yeah. made like as in like made a note or like invented like created him? the character. He was, was the he first was, person that drew the character. He was drawing Spider Man at that time. In the nineties. Yeah. Okay, so uh, yeah, he, he I, didn't I don't know how I don't think he conceptualized the character, but he drew it first. Oh, I think okay. it was him and JRJR that did the character first. Okay. Gotcha. I think. If I'm not mistaken. I think. Huh. A lot of the Spider-Man most popular, like, 90s storylines were a lot of McFarlane writing and drawing. Huh, I'll be damned. Two seconds. 
which I guess from what I understand, he was like drawing Spider-Man, trying to do all kinds of cool shit with Spider-Man and Marvel kept fighting him on what he was trying to do creatively with Spider-Man and finally just said, fuck you, I'm going to do my own thing and then left to create image, image which yeah, is yeah. also when he was, he had the number one selling comic book in the country. And he was still being told, no, you can't right. do that. He's like, yeah, Spider-Man is that popular. Yeah. The writer that created uh, Venom was uh, David Michelini. Was not. Okay. It was not uh, J.R.J.R. But nonetheless. So anyway, Ian, you can pick up with your list if you want. Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll, we'll go through this whole list then. Well, can so, I, real quick, can I digress to Ian's point about the, the, no, the tone shifts? Because I, I, that was what I thought is as well as like i i kind of get maybe well okay not having ever read a spawn comic book i don't know how accurately john leguizamo's portrayal of that character encompassed that character and like is that really what it was is that what todd wanted to see on screen is that what the director wanted i mean to some degree someone wanted it because that's what they delivered to be fair, I still feel like Link Lozamo is doing the only correct job in this movie. He's the only thing that I feel like fits this movie. I I agree, and I think that Michael J. White could have stood out more had other things around him been going better. Okay, yeah, I could see that. Um, but yeah, it, I know I, with Ian's thought exactly, where like every moment, though, that Link Lozamo's character is on screen... It's not even like he's owning the scene. He's just so distracting that he's stopping everything else from happening. And most yeah, of what he is, and most of what he's doing also kind of seems to be inconsequential. Like there's the one where I, I still don't know why this was in the movie where he randomly transforms into the cheerleader outfit and does the spawn cheer. Yes, and that's it. That's it. It's the whole bit. Like why do you, yeah why do you need that I I agree I, I have no like was, idea I didn't know where he does it it's like a ten second bit at the next scene it's like one of those Family Guy cut-ins like like that was in the that was in the gym after Spawn like sees his kid he, no, is that, right? is that, I don't it's think in, that like, was the his basketball. kid was it <laughs> did we the ever figure that out yeah the little girl with the dog that's his kid I didn't know with, I don't think it was clearly established she had kids before he died. I mean, there's a lot of plot holes. I don't think there's definitely things that need fleshed out, but I definitely think it's his kid. I mean, they never showed her with a child before he died. Or I, that I she will was say obviously that's pregnant. at least a valid point because I did find myself thinking that I, the answer kind of seemed inconsequential. Yeah, but like, it, is it, it, it was never implied. even alluded to that she was pregnant. That like there's you just need like a one line drop at some point before he dies of well, like I think... our coming child or anything like that. What I didn't realize is this movie is like a quick hour and a half. So oh, it if fucking flew. And there it is moves. a director's cut yeah. out there, just FYI. So maybe in this, however long the director's cut is, maybe they kept that stuff in there. Maybe for some reason, little details like that were like, nope, cut it. We don't need it. Maybe I've watched some Blu-ray versions. So the, I the director's I had cut it. was seven dollars to buy, and he still didn't. It well, no, it was five dollars for the version i did it, it was it was it was four dollars to rent it five dollars to buy it and then the director's cut i, I think it was seven or eight dollars so i went with the buy for five dollars okay i mean if you're already so you gonna can, pay extra you should have gotten the director's cut you can watch it as many times as you want now without the director's cut that's true <laughs> you're right if i watch it ever again i will regret that i don't have director's cut. <laughs> well i think it's i think it's a fair observation though because there are definitely times that I 
found myself wondering, like, okay, is this actually his friend's kid that got together with his wife after he died? See, I just assumed it was and never questioned it. I just kept going on. That's why I didn't. That's why I didn't think they had. They didn't have that many close moments. They met in that gym, but nothing of consequence really happens there, other than him saying, "I'm Spawn." <laughs> Wait. So, oh, so yeah. you assumed that it was his friend's child? Yeah, the whole time. I never questioned it. I never had a thought that it was his his kid. I, I assumed they would put those storytelling elements in there simply because it was his kid. It was meant to be his kid. Otherwise, they wouldn't have this moment. Well, see, because remember, he only mentions caring about Wendy. He never mentions the kid as, <laughs> in, as important. Wanda is important. Sure. Like he, that's what he tells I'm the not devil. I'm disagreeing with you. That's what he tells uh, fucking old man from the 1500s. He only cares <laughs> about Wanda. And once Wanda's dead, I don't care about nothing. Like, he don't care about nothing no more. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I guess if it was his kid, you'd think that'd be something else for him to care about. And Terry seems to be the one that interacts with the kid the most. Well, that makes sense because he's he's taken the father figure role for that family, so it makes mm-hmm. sense that he's the one interacting with the kid. The kid doesn't know him. The kid, like, if that's his kid, the kid doesn't know. Well, that's the other thing. The kid to me seemed like five, and I was like, well, it's been five years. Can't be his kid. Well, to your point, I think I mean, she could have been pregnant. Like, pregnant. I feel like that's she like early, been, but... early pregnant, but she didn't even know when he died. Well, they could have had the line then, like, don't drink or something instead of buy your husband a watch. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, throw you a bone. <laughs> it, it seems like a strange detail that could have been easily addressed that obviously created confusion in the viewers because yeah. of, it, of, of the ambiguity to it. And literally a like one line, one sentence of a character, and that would—that's all you need. Literally, like talk about a director's cut. You just—you didn't need that. You needed six more seconds. Well, I think to the point maybe Josh you made earlier of like this is before the time of comic book movies, so I think this is still when comic book movies got shit on, where studios didn't give a shit what happened to comic book movies. We're just giving you this pennies on a dime budget. Good luck, have fun. We'll, whatever happens, happens. Like we don't give a shit. I suppose. So I don't think the time and attention was was uh, given to the script or the movie itself to be able to hash those things out or decide what they want to... I'm assuming this director was under the studio scrutiny and just like whatever he wanted... That's why there's a director's cut. Whatever he wanted to do didn't get in the movie, and this is what we got. Trying to look who made this. Dippy. No, <laughs> I know. I know it was Dippy. Uh, I heard quite a bit about Dippy. Uh, no, the um, New Line Cinema. Oh, it was, it was New Line Cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Time Warner Company. See that, but that also s- surprised me a little bit because New Line just four years later would make Fellowship of the Ring, and that is nothing but detail. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they learned since then, but it's also maybe. not a comic book movie. It's a it's a different genre. So maybe they had more faith in that genre well, over comic books. I guess so. So I'm not sure whose production company this is, but the uh, at least the IMDb production credits list: McFarland Films, yeah, New Line Cinema, and Pull Down Your Pants Pictures. <laughs> it's probably Seth McFarlands. <laughs> get all the McFarlands in there. So yeah, maybe maybe you 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 have a very good point. Is there's just probably not a care to put any more of a fine eye or effort. 
I mean, on, on Todd McFarlane's production company, it's probably going to be at the early stages of his... I wonder if this is the first movie out of that production company, which at that point, how much say does he actually have? Even if he created the character, it's a brand new production company. It's probably in name only because it's his character. Yeah, sure. And that... that, that I can understand. That, that makes sense. Um, someone had mentioned... Uh, Ian, I think it was you a second ago, mentioned Terry. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to sound mean, and I... I D.B. Sweeney was not a good actor. Oh, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you, like, mince your words um, on saying somebody was not a good actor. You, he, it's fine. You, you can be critical. I, like, there there are, <laughs> like, I know he's been in other things, and I think, I, I mean, I thought he was more of a comedic actor, actually, from the past. Like, but did, I'm looking through his stuff right now. I thought he did, like, a season or two on Saturday Night Live, maybe? earlier or, or something like sketch shows or something i point i there's something every single one of his lines in this movie is delivered so flatly yeah like there's nothing behind it at all like even when there's supposed to be emotion or like having to do with his family it, i i don't know and maybe it's just this example just his acting in particular and, and the stuff that they chose to keep if they didn't have anything better to like, like other takes to take from just every line that Terry was in. I'm like, I don't, and maybe that's part of my issue with the movie in general is, is like my overall opinion. It's hard to care about anybody in this movie. That's what you get for $40 million. I, I don't like, I kind of care about spawns mission in a way, but I don't think I care if anybody gets what they want at all. I mean, I was rooting for the violator. <laughs> I I don't think I care about him either. That's my thing. I don't. I have no stake. I, I if nobody gets what they want in the end, I I don't. I think I'm completely indifferent to that. Well, I think that's one thing with this movie is the narrative doesn't matter. The narrative is a vehicle for cool ass special effects and shit to happen. That's the only reason okay. the plot is to drive us from kick ass explosion to crazy hellfire to kick ass suit to crazy cape shit. That's why there's <laughs> that, that a narrative. Kind of... That's fair. That, that's that, actually that has the plot Todd of the movie. McFarlane written all over it. <laughs> like, if you know anything about Todd McFarlane, that's Todd McFarlane. Like, there was a point I wrote down. I feel like this was a 90s FMV game at one point. I was like, I can see, <laughs> like, choosing the different dialogue options and, like, okay, click on that guy to shoot him when he pops out of the barrel. Like, there was a point where it felt like that. And I think, that, like, a lot of the dialogue kind of played into it because a lot of it was delivered kind of stiff or, like, here's my zappy one-liner or... Like, or even just the set dressing, like, I'm going to smoke this cigarette, but my ashtray is a scorpion cage. <laughs> That's so badass. <laughs> it's badass central. All I needed was, like, instead of ashing the cigarettes, like, put it out, the scorpion just cuts it off. That would have been kick-ass. <laughs> it would have been better if it was cigars and that was his cutter was the scorpion. Just as good. Just stick it down in there, get it cut, pop it out, and be like, yep, there we go. Yeah, but that would have been another special effect. <laughs> for for squir- scorpion cigar cutting, you could have knocked that out at home though. Just <laughs> kept filming it until it happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that would have been fun. I want to get paid to just do keep that. Poking the scorpion, just come on, man, cut it. Come on, cut it. And then and then it stings the damn thing instead of cutting it. <laughs> you have to tell you have to tell the story about how he likes to get a little bit of like sc- scorpion venom. In his uh, cigar to get a little bit high. Yeah, change the strip. Something. Ch- change the script. 
This is this is the shot we got. Now that you bring that up, it reminds me that they mentioned that they have the only vaccine, but it's never referenced ever again. Like it's one of the like that Chekhov's gun thing. You only bring something up if it's going to be used later. They have the vaccine and that blue bottle. He throws it to that lady. That's it. Never mentioned again. Well, the virus never gets released, right? But yeah, but still, the vaccine. Like, why even mention you have one? Like, you don't need. We don't need to know that there is one even. Well, That's true. It has no effect on whether or not the gas is released. He no, doesn't but, even well, use I, it in I, a bargaining I, chip with other people. He just yeah. sells it to them. Here's your well, weapon. Th- that that was his thing, though. Like, I guess that just kind of completes the explanation of his plan. Is we're going to figure out a way to develop the virus, release it in a way that people won't know it's us, and then provide the only vaccine and cure to it. But they have one vial. You need the vaccine. Yeah. Just say we're going to release the virus and end of story. Like if you're just playing up, I'm going to be a bad guy. I need to release a virus. Just end it there. Why? Why do we need the antidote if it's never brought it up again? Well, just I I, because I don't know because I I didn't have a problem with that part because it's it's just another like yeah it's maybe it's not where we don't maybe it's not necessary. The kid is. We get the freaking antidote that's never used. You could have just well, swapped that six seconds out. <laughs> it's, it's never used, but I guess it, it completes the idea of, like, the modern enterprising bad guy is not just someone who wants to burn the world down. It's he wants to be an industrialist. I, I will commit mass genocide, but in the end, I'm actually just making money because I don't care about the loss of life and I'm developing the only way that people can survive. Like, that part doesn't bother me that much. Which I feel like... I don't know. I feel, I feel like I would have bought that if he was more just like the boardroom bad guy, but he's literally on the front lines with guns trying to shoot everybody. So to me, that's just like, that screams, I'm just going to release a virus type of villain and fuck everybody. Yeah, fair. That was weird, well, too. I feel like the, like the deal with the devil was for him to do that, though, wasn't it? Like, for, was for him to release the virus, was for him to just kill a bunch of people, and he knew he was dealing at least with a demon. You know what I mean? Yeah, his plan would have been to kill a bunch of people, but he was going to spare people that joined his coalition that would then let him be world leader, even though the devil's going to make him the leader at the end anyways. I mean, he would get betrayed because it's the devil. Like, that's (laughs) the whole fucking point. It's what makes him the devil. But, you know, that that was the plan. He's like, okay, well, I'll let you live if you don't rebel against me and the devil. I'll be honest, I didn't really have a good grasp of the story, and the more we're talking about it, the more I'm getting more confused. I feel like I'm just losing more and more of the story the more we talk about it. I mean, that's Agreed. the story. They I the virus. That. Yeah, that's fair. They sold it, and it can cover either half the planet or all the planet. It depends on if you go off dialogue or the map. If you go by the <laughs> map, the whole planet, dialogue, half the planet. <laughs> So, well, I, or is it half the planet that it will cover, or is it that only half the population will die? He said half the population will get infected. Maybe that's where the antidote comes in. Maybe. Because all those all those North Koreans seem to have died. <laughs> so I, I think their plan was to figure out how to get the virus released, but then kill him before he could ever enact any sort of businessman antidote plan. Because that, that's what Leguizamo's character was saying, is we needed you to kill Michael J. White so that he would become Spawn, and in the end, Spawn would kill you to clean up that loose end, and now we're releasing this virus into the world, the devil can come in, 
and Spawn is our, you know, general leading those forces. I think that was the supposed now, so to be you, the basic idea. Yeah, you pieced it together a lot better than I did. Which also brings to to mind why does the devil need a general to lead its forces? Have you uh, seen an army be led without a general? They do not do well. Why would the <laughs> devil not just be the general? Just delineate. It's the I mean, devil. But, why, but that doesn't mean he's got military technology behind him. He doesn't go around leading forces into Russia or have a cold war in Afghanistan. The devil has yeah. someone else lead the troops. He's, he's, he's the got, big brains guy. He's got, he's got committee meetings to chair. I mean, does he leave hell? I was he has people sort of reporting into him all the time. While, he has to... while Spawn does all the work. Deal, you know, it's like read briefings and like progress reports. But, all, but 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 I thought this was to be fought against the armies of heaven, not against Earth. Eventually, but not stage one. No, I thought the idea was that they were going to kill the people of Earth with the virus, and then they were going to fight off the armies of heaven that would rain upon them for doing that with the army. Yeah, and Spawn would lead them. God's not going to come down and Where lead the angels. Battle? He's going to send Peter to do it. So what the hell is, well, so here's my question. What the hell is the point in, in killing the people on Earth then? To anger God so he will retaliate. You can't just go up there. They got to come to you. Right. So if they come to him in hell. Or Earth. They might yeah, I, think, I, think, Earth. I think they meet the middle ground. Yeah. They meet on Earth. Heaven comes from above to Earth. The, the devil sends Spawn and everybody else from hell to Earth, and they fight on Earth. So you're telling me everybody that's in hell right now? No, all this the guy evil who, soldiers. Who, not everyone yeah, in hell, the, just the, the devils. All the guys that kind of look like Spawn. Right. Yeah. There's lots of them. Seems like it. So among all of them, the one with the most military knowledge is the one person we see in this movie not lead a single other troop. He does. He does a solo mission, and we are supposed to say. That's the guy who can lead our troops. Well, he was a lieutenant colonel, so he has a leadership experience. You don't become a lieutenant colonel without leading someone. And then on top of that, as we Jam. know from his dossier, he is a grade-A psychopath from all the people he killed. We know that because Jason Wynn told us. And he was the perfect <laughs> specimen. I think that's a direct quote. Perfect specimen. Right. They make good soldiers. They don't make good leaders. I, t I don't because think... Because we have, we, have, we have no... No information about his ability to lead people is what I'm saying. We have no information. Other than his rank, which I think is pretty solid. That doesn't mean that you lead people. You can become a lieutenant colonel in the Navy SEALs by just being there, and you don't actually necessarily have anybody underneath you. You can you can do it. You can be a lieutenant colonel in the Army Corps of Engineers. All right, so we chalked this up to another plot point that is not explained. Chalked this up to the kid being, who the fuck's kid is it? Right. We don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying that's yeah, the whole but, point of the movie. Uh, right, that's that he's a, going to lead the armies of hell. That's a little different. We're talking like the first point is well, this detail about the the, the family structure. Now we're debating what is the story of the movie. <laughs> well, it's not necessarily like it's just confusing to me because if he's that's this movie it just in doesn't a nutshell, seem like yeah, <laughs> it, it it doesn't seem like he would be the best choice. I mean, why don't you give the super soldier serum to someone that's already in shape so it's a really good soldier? Oh, that's not that. Well, because it has to do with your heart, as Dr. Erskine told us. They test us. their character. 
And, and the leader of the devil has to because be they already did that once, something. and they saw what happened, and it created the Red Skull to not be a great soldier, but a good man. And Red Skull kicks ass and was Hell's <laughs> army pretty well. <laughs> he was also a Nazi, and he was also helping them destroy the world. That sounds like great devil army leading stuff. <laughs> That's a good resume for leading the devil's army. So let's but let, let, let's. Let me pull back for a second. Yeah, put part, a pin in this because of, I'm not going to talk for 30 minutes on this general thing. Well, I'm, it's just let's it, face it. He doesn't. He ne- he never wants to lead their army. He never ends up doing it. The devil made a bad choice. Great. Well, that's the devil's problem. Yeah, yeah. the devil's <laughs> not infallible. Our our problem no, is figuring out part of the exercise of rewind theater, being seeing it, especially a lot of these through the lens again in the perspective of time. Not only what, like, because th- these are thoughts that it feels like we could, like, some of these points are things that we could have said 23 years ago when this movie was released. So what, what do you guys think would be, like, one of the major, I definitely don't want to call it a failing. What's, like, one major thing that you maybe feel doesn't hold up um, that just, like, whether it was 1997 or 2020 is just bad in a way. CG. And what are, you know, on the flip side, what's yeah. one thing that you thought, actually, hey, you know what, that uh, second look this many years later, not too shabby. And and since, Ian, since this was your first time ever actually seeing it, like, start there. Was there anything that you thought was redeeming? Well, you're, you're glowing about this movie, so maybe that's a bad place <laughs> to start. All the kick-ass explosions? Hell yeah. <laughs> Did I mention Fire. There was fire constantly for, like, the first ten minutes. It was a perfect movie for that length of time. <laughs> fire showed up again later, and it was perfect then. Too. Yeah, it was ten- kick-ass. There's a ten-minute block where this movie was ten for ten. Yeah, it, it could have ended it right there. Just like The Hitcher. <laughs> I, uh, I I genuinely thought, I, I as I said like earlier, I... Honestly, think that the Spawn costume and even his prosthetic makeup for his face and his neck, um, that looked really good. Um, I was surprised I, like, now I pick these things out all these years later. Like, I pointed out to Sarah as we're watching, I'm like, oh shit, look, that's, uh, Greg Nicotero and Robert Kurtzman working on the special, you know, special makeup effects on this movie. And they look good. His, in, in just his, I'm standing around, I'm walking through a scene, I'm here as Spawn. I thought that actually held up. I thought it looked really well on screen as a, you know, quote, comic book movie, especially one made in 97. I thought it looked pretty pretty good. I, I don't think that aged terribly. I agree. I think the, the costume was awesome. Like, even just seeing him with the practically practical glowing eyes. In costume. Yeah. That looked fucking cool. I don't know how they did that. I don't know how I saw through that, but it was cool. Um, and I think... They didn't do it much, so I don't right. think they worried about seeing through it. And, uh, you know, like you said, with just the transitions of the, the face mask and stuff coming on and off and all that kind of stuff, that looked cool. The cape, I wish, looked better. I think that's something I'd like to see with today's special effects, because I think there's some really cool shots and iconography that, with Spawn and the cape, that is supposed to look really awesome, but the cape pulls you out of it because it looks like shit with the lighting for 1997 CG. If they do that today, those shots are iconic. Those are poster worthy. You could put them up on a wall. They look awesome. Mm-hmm. Agree. Um, I, 
I think that's probably the the most the best thing that I like from it. I think I'd, I'd agree with that. On on top of that, in in Lake Wazamo, I, I I know he's fucking weird and distracts from the movie, but he was my favorite part of the movie by oh, yeah. far. Like they put him in that heavy makeup, and then they use like animation techniques to get the facial expressions like translate onto the body. It was a very impressive special effects feat they did to get that to appear on screen. Right. I don't know, like I don't know if Link Wazama was acting correctly as far as the tone of the movie, but I felt like he was the only one acting out of everybody in the movie. <laughs> I mean, I think he was because they clearly like they they put that cheerleading scene in the movie. Like, <laughs> clearly, like someone wrote that. <laughs> Maybe he pitched it to them that morning, or somebody did, and they're like, "Yep, get that, get that together. Find <laughs> us an oversized uniform. Get the seamstresses, uh, the, the sewing department, costume department in here. We need to fit that. Let's shoot it. Go." Everyone else go think, go to lunch. This is what we're doing over lunch. Just going with like practical effects and stuff. Had you not told me that that is John Linkwazamo being the clown, I couldn't pick him out as being the clown. The makeup is that good, correct? Mm-hmm. That he disappears in that role. Yeah. I, I actually remember that being something at the time when the movie came out. Being having a discussion about that with somebody, like holy shit, that's John Linkwazamo. Because it, it, it's like when you first see the movie, you see he's in the credits, and then you're like, wait, where was he? And then you see that he was the clown. You're like, holy shit. I'm suddenly wondering. Knowing he... it now, you can still kind of see him there. But I feel like I got to check IMDb real quick. Did he go from Mario Brothers to Spawn? Oh, God. Nah, no, because Mario Brothers was like 93, 94. He had to have I something thought it was like 95. Was it that late? See, now I'm, still, I'm second he, guessing. He was in a lot of stuff at that time. He, I say he, so he always if, seemed like a very a year apart, prolific guy. He was guy. very active. Yeah. Oh, I was, you're, yeah, you're right, Josh. Mario Brothers is 93. I, I personally I feel the same way. I think the makeup they did for the clown was amazing. Um, I think John Leguizamo's performance was was great. The way he waddled around um, was awesome. He's probably I mean, still you can see back the way the legs today. are bent in that, and you know he's playing it that way. It, that's crazy. That's something like Andy Serkis would be doing today. Right, yeah. Uh, That's a good point. In, in like in Hollywood today, he's the only person I can actually name to you that would be doing that kind of thing. So seeing Leguizamo dedicate that much to a performance in a movie that he had read the script for, um, uh, you know, he he put forth one hell of an effort having read that script. So that definitely holds up. As far as what doesn't hold up, we talked about it earlier with the CG. Yeah, it definitely doesn't hold up. The cape. Hell, Movaja, all of that doesn't thrill me. Um, in typical 90s movies mistakes that I feel like you don't see as much of anymore. You still see them sometimes in movies that don't take themselves, I guess, as seriously. But typical 90s movies mistakes like, oh, he... Like, you know, one shot to the next, he was holding something, and then it's not there, and then it's back again. Kind of things. Um, that I noticed several times. I didn't take notes like Ian to... I remember thinking that, but I didn't take notes like Ian to give you specifics. Ian did more homework than I did, so... <laughs> but I remember thinking that at the time. Like, you used to see this all the time in 90s movies, where something would be there, and then it wouldn't be, and then it'd be back, and it was like... What the hell just happened? Something, like, it didn't look right um I, I would say among the things we didn't talk about that that would be what to me doesn't hold up i think uh one of the things that i thought was distracting for me was the narration i don't i don't think the narration was necessary 
I think I think there's better ways to do it to sort of explain what's happening. Even though we're all still confused as hell, even with the narration. But I think that's even more point to, like, why is it here? I don't think we needed it. Or better narration, maybe. Or Yeah, maybe. Explains the things that don't get explained on screen. I was fine with it, and I thought it sounded cool. His, vo- his voice is fine. Just I just yeah. felt like it pulled me out of, like, instead of learning everything, it's it's presented in a way where I just don't want it told to me. I'd like to figure it out on my own type of thing. But that takes away from how many explosions per minute we get, if we have to show all of that. It definitely cuts the ratio down, <laughs> and that that's that's not cool with me. And I guess maybe so, just so- from not reading Spawn, like, I'm really confused of just, like, Spawn's power set. Like, it seems like he can do whatever the fuck he wants to. It's so Spawn's power set. There's something they don't talk about in the movie that is true of Spawn's power set is it's limited. Um, there is an X amount of power that he is able to use before it is depleted and he dies permanently. Oh, see, that'd be a nice detail for the movie. It's a great plot. <laughs> that was point, in the that it? was in the movie. That was I, during the motorcycle part. He tells him that if you use all your power, you'll die. Does it? All right, so I completely forgot yeah, that. Yeah, pay attention. But do they talk about that it's? <laughs> but do they? But they, do they talk about how it's a total limited amount, like completely, or just if you use all of it at once? Like if you use too much at one time, you'll die. Whereas it's actually like a meter that runs down on him over time. It's. Like I mean, I he has X amount. It was a go big part a of the giant explanation about it was if you use all of your power up, you'll die. I assumed. I guess in the moment I was like, okay, he can't just do this forever. He'll have to like go rest or something. But they didn't go into it, extraordinary detail on this one. If I, if I remember correctly, it was a big part of the comics because it was something that, like, the devil designed with that in mind so that he couldn't just run around as a, you know, invincible superhero for all time. So eventually he's claimed by hell anyway. Right. He's claimed back one way or another. And, you know, you use up power doing things... You know, is it worth doing using your power for that? Um, and I, I felt like it was a really good plot mechanic for the comic book because it gave them a reason to say, kind of like the idea of like, why doesn't Superman stop the mugger? You know, well, there's a reason that Spawn doesn't stop the mugger. So I, I found that to be a really good thing that they could have used more as opposed to just a passing mention. Yeah, I agree. I would have liked more explanation there. But as far as the power set, and it, it, it's pretty unlimited, isn't it, as to what he can actually do with the suit? Like it's seems like well, they I think were setting I, him up that way. Yeah, I think I just missed the detail Ian was talking about because every time I just see him transform into something else and continually heal himself, and I was like, "Well, what the fuck? Like, there's got to be a limit to this, like some sort of power cap." So, but the detail that Ian mentioned that I just either slipped my mind or I was not paying attention at the time they said that and missed it. So that would have been fine. Um, I don't know. Anything else anybody else wants to bring up? So at the end of the movie, Zach just broke into that house to bring the dog in. Like, he just walks into that fucking yeah. house. <laughs> in, in speaking of Zach, that kid was in a lot of 90s movies, yep. and he annoyed the hell out of me every time I saw his face. In, in <laughs> this or ever in his career? Every, every, every single movie I've ever seen him in. Oh, like, that's the same kid that was... Uh, uh, what's it called? Pet Cemetery, right? Pet Cemetery. He was on Full From House. From then on, Kindergarten Cop. J- kid just pissed me off. I just. I feel like, like we just talked. About I remember him being. See the Mercury reason. Rising kid. Mercury Rising, yeah. And I feel like that. I forget why that discussion just came up recently, like in the last couple of weeks. 
I, I just, I, even as when I was younger as a kid, I remember like, just like hating that kid. I'm just like, I don't know what it is about this kid's face, but Jeez, I don't like it. <laughs> oh, Mercury Rising is a good movie. I can't watch it because of that kid. Uh, one thing I thought I saw, and I don't know if anybody else caught it too. I didn't actually look up to see if, if I can confirm this. Is there a Todd McFarlane cameo in that movie? Because I think I saw him. It, yeah, it says he is he. Um, one of the homeless guys? Homeless, yep. Okay. Uh, okay. He shows up during the fight with uh, Spawn and the clown in the alleyway. Mm-hmm. He's one of the, like, Spawn's looking for the clown with a gun, and I think McFarlane kind of, like, puts his hands up and just backs away. And he's on camera long enough that it's like, wait, he looks significant. <laughs> and considering this is 20 years ago, he looks a, li- a lot younger, so I had yeah. to really do a double take to look at him. So, okay, I wasn't just making that up. So that's good. Um, Anything else we want to talk about? Because otherwise did, we'll just wind down with some ratings. And did anyone know that Cyan's name was spelled like the color? No. I, who was Cyan? That's the daughter that, that we apparently everyone oh. knows all these details about, but Ian. <laughs> I only claim to know one detail, and that was that she was Spawn's kid. Gotcha. At the, uh, the, at the very end, she has a name tag on for whatever reason, and it says Cyan. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, her name's spelled like the color. The whole time I thought it was like S-I-A-A-N or some bullshit. I didn't think it was the color. Makes it easy to remember. What? I have a question. Why would it not be the color? What else? What other version of cyan exists? I don't know. It's a made-up name. Like I, I don't yeah, for, for, if you're going to name your kid cyan, you can literally spell it however you want to and just say well, it's no, pronounced You can spell cyan. any name. I, I mean, right. You can do that with any name. You can... But that's not like a common enough name for me to be like, oh, th- that's the color. It's a color. So, what else would it be? That's what I mean. Like S I A. I could. I don't know all the names. <laughs> I don't know the origin of names. Like... Two, four, nine, five, six. <laughs> like, fucking wind's got two ends in it. Like, fuck. Um, I, I would say I, I think one of my last thoughts is I wouldn't be surprised if a significant amount of their, you know, going back to the budget talk, went to getting Martin Sheen in this movie. Yes. And and. So therefore, maybe there weren't as many resources available for other things they perhaps may have wanted to do. Yeah, I'd agree to that. Uh, any other final thoughts? Last call? Oh, so I, I mentioned this at the top. So that lady has those guns plugged into something on her back. Does anyone have any fucking clue what that was about? There's a bunch of wires going around with her back, and they look like they're plugged into the gun. And then Spawn ends up with the guns, but he has no wires. Oh, you're right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like even as she's firing them, they're yeah. connected into something. You're right. I no, I don't know anything okay. more. But that now that made me realize you are correct that that did happen. I'm just like was like I made no sense to me. I was like, well, I can't be the bullets. Like they wouldn't fit through the tube. So what's going on? We'll force Mike to watch it again, and then he can tell us about it later. And I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have cared other than the fact that Spawn then has the guns. Uh, he, he's he, but okay. Hold on, I'm looking at this. He's now. Spawn in that moment, so I'm just gonna chalk it up to Spawn powers, Hell Magic. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's how you remove devices from hearts without viruses getting released. 
Yeah. Oh, magic. <laughs> that. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I remember that happening. Him and I started thinking about it, and I was like, Ian, no, it's a movie, just let it go. <laughs> it just, happened. He bewitched it out of him, and he used hell magic to make it think it constantly was still hooked up to a heart. A heart, I guess. So, hell uh, heart. And, hell and, heart. And there was no... And he did it, like, transubstantially, so he, like, shifted it out of his body like at an anatomical level apparently because there's no like gaping wound in his chest or anything from it being sucked out of him uh that picture i sent you is that what you're talking about i mean that's when it happens yeah but, but are those are the, just the gun straps the ones no, you're talking no, about now i gotta pull up the move you're making this a whole thing now <laughs> I, I i i don't remember this wires thing I'm, wires. I'm trying to find pictures of it and i can't I wonder if it's just well, someone dressing the set incorrectly. Like, it's just some sort of something for a special effect that they never, like, CG'd out. Like, it has no real purpose as far as the movie's concerned. Yeah, or they just maybe thought wouldn't. Again, to Ian's point, like, just chalk it up to a badass look for a moment. Right. Mo- move on. Nobody will care. Because we It's don't. just like, you know, the wire work and someone leaving the wires in. Okay, the wires are hooked to the straps at the top. But it's like there's a battery pack on her back. Okay, that's actually a part of the character. Okay. So there there was a, re- a release line of toys that had that. Oh, there you go. It's all about the toys. And it appears that the what the t- what it does is it's actually connected to the um the battery pack for the toy. <laughs> uh uh no, it, it's connected to like the um magazine for the gun. And if it, it, like it doesn't say what it does exactly, but it's connected to the magazine for the gun. Well, there you're, you were right, Ian. It just feeds bullets to the gun. You had it yeah. right. I fucking knew or I... Or it adds something to the bullets. I knew I fucking loved this movie. Oh, <laughs> no, so that's the thing from the beginning when she sprays the, the fuel on him in North Korea. Uh, so it works as a flamethrower and a gun. Yeah! It, Hell yeah! Sports connected and exploit shit! <laughs> There are no plot holes in this we movie. We figured it out. That's that's, oh, yeah. the, that's the kind of clarifying perspective you'll get here on rewind. So he theater. just disconnected the flamethrower part of the gun. Then he yeah, she's up there leaking accelerant uh, from the pack on her back. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That's why her pants are wet. It all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> And so, on that note, what yeah. are we going to give this movie out of 10? Winding down, <laughs> go around the around the horn. Ian, i got to start with you. Out of 10, what are you giving this movie? 8.7. Better than the Metacritic score. Going half point higher than Metacritic. Interesting. Uh, Mike, out of 10. Three. Okay. Rookie score. <laughs> Josh, I see you're still thinking and debating in your head. Oh, definitely. Because um, I, I, I'm trying not to have a visceral reaction and sh- thinking for just an extra second about trying to have the perspective of it's 23 years later, what do I really think? What What is fair to uh, say are its sins and, and what can be understood? Think of it on this uh, scale. Was it a five of a kick-asses or zero kick-asses? <laughs> it was at least how five many, kick-asses. How many, how many kick-asses and fires was this movie? All. <laughs> um i mean i I, yeah i can't give other movies that i could potentially score otherwise you know 
it's not apples to apples, so I can talk myself in the mirror. I I gotta say a four. Rookie score. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Josh, I think I'm in line with you. Based on just the look of the costume and John Leguizamo, I'm going four. Rookie score. Everything else can shit itself. <laughs> the, 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 those two things. It it can't. It, it, they did. It's it's enough for a four yeah. for those two things for me. So, so there were things that I. It, it had potential, uh, which actually, if you don't mind, I'll use that as a segue to my next comment. Uh, about two years ago, uh, McFar- it was announced that McFarlane would be directing a remake of this movie himself with uh, Jamie Foxx and Jeremy Renner in the role of one of the detectives that was really not featured in the movie, but... Uh, if you've ever heard of Sam and Twitch, this is like they came from the Spawn universe uh, and ended up kind of being their own thing later. Um, Jeremy Renner was set to play one of those detectives. Um, I don't, Since that time of announcement, I never like they never got into pre-production. Obviously, nothing's happening right now. Um, but after that, like, are, do, do you think there is a good Spawn movie to be made? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is it waiting so out there I'd, for someone to do it right? Yeah, I'd like to see the reboot. Like based on the the comic book genre that we are in right now in in, you know, 2020, considering all the shit that we got between 1997 and now. There has to be someone that has faith in a Spawn movie now because the movie in 1997 it seems like no one gave a shit about it. So I'd like to see someone that cares, give it the budget that it needs. And if McFarlane's involved in it, maybe at least a little bit more heavily than I'm assuming what he did in 97. Um we might actually get something decent out of it. Yes, I just don't know if anyone cares about the spawn stuff. Well, that's the, yeah, that's the difference now. That's is a I think question. He's he's definitely not as popular as he was. I still think there's a following for it, but probably I think that's probably in in this time of comic book movies. I think you can cast people that will attract an audience to the movie, as opposed yeah. to back then. When I mean, all you had was Martin Sheen. You, I mean, fair, you, you said Jamie Fox was going to play Spawn, Spawn, and instantly I'm like, okay, I'm paying attention again. Right. Yeah. You know, like if you had told me somebody, or like they got Michael Jai White back, or they, I don't know, somebody I've never heard of is going to play Spawn. Yeah, but if you're starting with Jamie Foxx and Jeremy Renner, you're starting in a good place. Mm-hmm. So, oh, my my only hesitation with it is, I mean, as far as I can see, like Todd McFarlane has spun a lot of plates. And he's definitely taken a lot of professional risks in his life. But is, you know, filmmaking... So like he's, he has never directed a movie. He is credited with, like, three music videos. and That he drew. Right, and, and mostly <laughs> was on that end of it. So just because he was the creator of the character is presenting it in a, a medium of a feature film, is he necessarily the best person to be able to bring to, to manifest that, bring well, it to fruition? Kind of, well, as our Lord and Savior, like, okay, we the, see it, though. It, it just kind of screams like the studio's not going to do this. I'm, I've been shopping this character around. No one wants to give it a shot again, so I'm just going to do it myself. Presum- Whether that's right. good or bad, but there's the business end of that still, which presumes you have to have you have to find financing, you have to find distributors. 
you know, it, it, there's still that there. It, un, unless it was literally all his own money. It could be. Doing it. Yeah. Well, from what I've said, he's been in bankruptcy because he got sued into oblivion by Neil Gaiman. And some other people. I didn't know that. Stuff. <laughs> um, actually, I've read about these because looking into this, uh, the one character that was in this movie, the like 15th century knight guy character, Neil Gaiman did a couple issues, was a writer on a few issues of Spawn, and then they used that character in the movie, and for that, and for like royalties from that and other reasons, Gaiman was not, like, I hate to say it, it almost sounds like Farland did to him what he and some of the other artists and writers hated that DC and Marvel did to them. Which was, I hired you for this, so anything you make is mine. Oh, yeah. So, like, he, That's why they created Image Comics. Exactly. So, like, years later, Gaiman took him to court, and between that and some other character, I think in either some other part of Spawn or some other property that McFarlane made, he named it after a hockey player, I think. And that hockey player sued him for $15 million. <laughs> and he settled out of court for, like, five. So... I just, like, having come across that and, like, looking into the background of McFarlane and Spawn around this, I don't think Todd McFarlane has $300 million to finance a movie and handle distribution himself. Like, it doesn't work that way. So he's Fair. still going to have to have the mechanics and and the confidence of somebody of the, I hate to, like, the system backing him. That's just how it's going to have to work. So I'm just hoping that if he feels that he knows how to make a movie of the thing that he knows and created well enough that he doesn't waste the shot that that you know that he's going to take with it. Because if he, yeah, I guess that's just something. Because we'll if it flops, keep our eye on. yeah, if it flops, not only will he never get another chance with the character, but it'll be forever, maybe never again, you know, in live action that that character gets another chance. Right. Um. Yeah. Well, so we'll we'll keep our eye on Spawn. See if it ever comes back. If we get the the reboot, if McFarlane's attached or or whatnot. At this point, it's probably gonna be a couple years because nothing's getting made in 2020. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Um. All right. So we finished Spawn. So this is the time of the show uh, when oh, we all yeah. find out what we're watching next. So for that, we will turn to the Wheel of Fate. The Wheel of Fate. Uh, so again, just to reiterate, this is the wheel that has six options on it, two franchises, four standalones. So our choices, as we picked from our huge wheel and teased on Facebook, include Bloodshot, Venom, Cowboys and Aliens, and Constantine are our standalones. Two franchises, Swamp Thing and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, as I get this set... The anticipation uh, is building. What do you guys... Is there anything you want to? What would you like to get picked? Turtles. Anything you're hoping gets turtles. <laughs> I wanted. To, I wanted, I've been wanting for probably since my first episode about seven years ago. Wanted this to become a turtles podcast exclusively. So that's what I'm hoping for with this. I wanted to review the movies. That's all. It, I just wanted. It's like six episodes to review the turtles movies, and then Ian out. <laughs> you got me. Um. <laughs> so I have a question about it. About what? The wheel. What? Okay. Why? So, so if it lands on Swamp Thing, yes, yeah. Does the entire franchise come off the wheel? No, not we until... watch the first movie. Yeah, and then we spin the next time. 
and after if Swamp Things lands again, we watch the second movie. Then it goes away because there's only two Swamp Things. So once you finish a franchise, after it keeps you know getting its chance to be picked from from this, then it would get replaced if it lands. We're spinning on a, every episode. Yeah, if it lands on a, on a no, yeah, no, I yeah, hear that. If it lands on a standalone right now. That's the next episode, and that will immediately get replaced here. All right. Okay. I just wanted to clarify so I knew what to expect. Yeah. All right, so you guys can see the wheel, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's just for these guys, not the listeners. You guys, you'll you'll see the wheel later. What if they do see it now? You mean the listeners? Yeah, I know. What, what the, do they do? I mean, well, this whole thing, this audio podcast became much more real if they can suddenly see this <laughs> in the future. <laughs> 3D audio or from the podcast. past, I guess, is, is what it is. Twitch.tv, um, Chocovars. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Spinning the wheel. Wheel of fate. It's going to take a long time to slow down, so we have a lot of time to think about what's going to happen. Uh, I, I think it started spinning the other way at one point. <laughs> they say that's a that, that, that that's a optical illusion, but... Oh, what the... F- what the hell did just... The I saw something on TNT first. <laughs> <laughs> I think clearly Venom. jumped. <laughs> Venom won. Okay. So that's, that's where we're, that's where we're going next. We're going Venom. Venom it is. At at the at the least, I've been spared the threat of Venom two being released this year. Yeah, we just have to subject ourselves to Venom. I've only seen this once. Same. Have either of you seen Venom? No, Mike or Ian. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Ian, no. No. Okay. All right. I've well, seen we'll one see movie how we on feel. This list. <laughs> on on, 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 on the current the wheel or the entire list? Current wheel. Okay. Okay. Oh wait, no. TMNT yeah. is the only one you've <laughs> yeah. seen. Okay. Well, wait. Was the TMNT like it's the franchise? The TMNT I or see, which one? We'd, we'd start all with the nineties, nineteen ninety. Oh, okay. So you you would. That that one is not, a franchise. not separating that from the cartoon. No. Franchise. We go, we go we go one, two, three, TMNT, the CG one, and then right. the, the Turtles and Time. boot and Out of the Shadows. So there are six okay. movies there in, in Turtles to get through. I I was just wondering. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering. Yeah, so we'd have to land on TMNT six times in a to row. get through all six. Oh, I can't wait till the MCU gets there and just claims a spot for all of you. That's time. what I'm saying. Right. Once it hits that list, it's never gonna leave. It'll be there forever. So yeah, and so that we we also made a point to say obviously if we're going to be removing Venom, then the next time we specifically need to replace it with another standalone film instead yeah, of because so we don't want to happen... end up with six franchises on the wheel right. that take forever. Yeah, and the wheel never changes. Change, right. So that'll happen yeah. behind the scenes. Josh and I will figure out. We'll we'll spin our big wheel with full of our our whole spreadsheet. Um, to replace Venom. So next time we spin this in the next episode, Venom will be gone, replaced with something else, which we'll get to at the end of the next episode for Rewind Theater. Oh, this has a name. So, okay. I... Yeah, for the, for these segments. Yeah, for the, yeah, this episode format. I thought Josh I'm was like, with Rewind Theater. referring to something else when he said <laughs> it earlier. Yeah, just being on brand. Um, <laughs> so, you know, for for you listeners, we, we have landed on Venom. So this gives you that much time until the next time we record a Rewind Theater episode. Go ahead, watch Venom if you would like to. Uh, you can send us some questions, comments on on Facebook uh, once this episode is up. Um, prepping for the next one between now and you know the next time we record, we'll try to try to give you a heads up of when we're going to sit down to record. 
the night we, we decide to come back and do this. So at least you'll know if you want to get questions in, you have until that night to submit some questions just to present to us and we'll, we'll answer them on the show. There's also and, some, something we can try to share with them, I think, whether we do it at the end of these episodes after we spin the wheel or when we share them on social media is um, there are a couple of websites, one in particular that I think Brian and I have come across called justwatch.com. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's a good source that aggregates the availability of a television show or a movie on streaming services or like online rental platforms. So for instance, Venom, it is telling me that if you have a subscription to Stars, perhaps either through your cable provider or uh, like the standalone Stars app, it's included with that. So that's one way you could access it for free. You know, we can try to share that kind of info with you as well uh, to make it, you know, hopefully a little bit easier somehow for uh, people to get a hold of these. Yeah, I think we're all under the assumption that if it if it takes you, the listener, a a roundabout way to watch a movie that we're talking about, you're not going to do it. So we will try to make it as easy as possible. If you would like to, you know, stick up with us and and stick it out, watch some of these terrible movies like Venom with us before these episodes. I feel like based on this, Venom's going to kick a lot of ass. <laughs> I, I'm waiting for you to give it an eight eight point seven out of ten. Yeah, if you if you if if this is how you reacted to never seeing Spawn, well, if you're going to be the <laughs> I never saw Venom before this in the group again next time, I can't wait. We we did review Venom on our show, didn't we? Can yeah. you go back and get our old scores from that show and bring them here? Did we actually review it? I can't remember if we just shit on it as, <laughs> as, as like, a, like a, a side topic for an episode or if we actually reviewed it. I feel like we gave it a score at some point. Okay, I'll have to, we'll, I'll have to we'll check the archives. Yeah. But, all right, so if you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five-star rating and review. Uh, give us a share on social media. Uh, be, fair to, be sure to follow, subscribe, keep up with the show. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Anchor, uh, all those places you can find us. Check us out on Facebook, uh, search Bry Guy Super Friends, or go to facebook.com slash Friends. That's where we're putting up all the videos for the wheel um, and, you know, all the all the prep for the next episode for Rewind Theater. We'll put it all up there. I'll try to do the same on Twitter. I fall behind on Twitter stuff when it gets more complicated with this, but I will do my best to get there. Um, you can also uh, email us. Try to, try to email us. Uh, Friends at gmail.com. It's there. I'm I never check it, ever but it's, it's there for show. Um, as I said, you will be on Twitter. You can hit us up on Twitter at BG super friends. Um, that I will see. I will get back to you there and that's it. Uh, on behalf of Ian, Josh, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Shout out. Simp nation. Holla.